politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen, standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, our property. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today to guide you in that battle for liberty. Those of you who understand we don't have liberty and therefore must fight for it. You see, if you think you have liberty, there's nothing to fight for. And this is the problem with much of conservative media that is just really in cloud nine. They think this is awesome. Winning the Supreme Court, winning elections, doesn't get any better. When in fact, I'm here to tell you, by the way, Friday, July 8th, was the date that they told that bell, the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia, to proclaim liberty throughout all the land and to announce the Declaration of Independence. Well, I'm here to proclaim tyranny throughout all the land and to warn you that tyranny is upon us and you have to act once again to enjoy 1776. In other words, you need to recognize where we are in 2022. Don't lie to yourself. Open up your eyes. You go outside, you see a tree inverted. Rather than the trunk on the bottom, you see the roots or the the branches on the bottom and the trunk is on top. You're like, that can't be. It's impossible. My eyes are deceiving me. Well, I don't know what is and isn't, but that's what's happening. I don't know what's with your eyes, but you got to recognize what you are seeing. And the reality is, when you look at what is going on with medical freedom, transhumanism, Ukraine, and what we're doing there, you're looking at what's being done to our military and our National Guardsmen now not getting paid for not getting the shots. Yes, that is happening, just because Republicans aren't talking about it. Obviously, the border invasion, the unleashing of criminals, the sudden rash of these shooters that seem to have ties to Antifa. And then we have what's going on in the Netherlands. This budding tyranny where government can now do anything they want to you by declaring some sort of emergency. You put it all together, all these trends with so many people dying. Hospitals are full of of all these mysterious ailments. It's now, by the way, we are reaching a breaking point where they can't hide it anymore. It's not just data, just so out in the open in the hospitals, they can't hide it anymore. So you're seeing that. You know, you're seeing all these signals. Autism is everywhere. They're attacking our bodies, our minds, and our souls. Okay, it's really all three, the mental health issues, getting people addicted to the, just the, the screens and the stupid technology, and obviously locking people down and getting people focused on insanity. The soul, I mean, that war has been going on for a while, and the body really has been going on longer than we thought. Just now it's not subtle anymore. It's not long term. Just straight up giving people heart attacks, strokes, blood clots with the magic juice. And who knows what else with these therapeutics. So we're going to get into all of this. We'll bring on Chip Roy to uh, discuss where the Republican Party is in this battle. But I could tell you, nothing will change with these midterm elections if we don't change our game. Nothing. And I'm going to prove that to you. First sponsor today is our only Christian conservative mobile provider in America. Folks, do you want those that are censoring to monitor your phone calls and be responsible for your phone calls? Or do you want a company that shares your values? It's that simple. Uh, Don't use Verizon and T-Mobile. They're openly spying on you. 
Use Patriot Mobile. They have plans that fit your budget. 100% US-based customer support team, which is nice that they actually speak English for once. And they share your values. They'll actually donate to uh, causes for life, constitutional rights, religious freedom, veterans, and first responders. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. Unlike other services, when you want to go away from the establishment, they actually have the full service with the same cell phone, t- cell phone towers. So again, you can get free activation with offer code CR. Veterans and first responders will save even more. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR. That's patriotmobile.com slash CR or 972-PATRIOT. It's time we support companies that love America, love you, and share your values. So I wanted to start off today just briefly with what's going on in the Netherlands. I'm going to read to you this guy, Michael Jan, Michael's newsletter newsletter from the Netherlands on Substack. Time now is 3.22 in the morning in Netherlands. Just got back to the hotel. Situation is dire for Dutch farmers. Dutch government has stated and reiterated they will kick the farmers off their ancestral lands. This gross authoritarian overreach attempts to justify the theft by accusing farmers of poisoning the environment with nitrogen and other normal fertilizer products. And so, the Dutch government is stealing and consolidating wealth from farmers because the government has an army, and they can. It's nothing more than strong-arm robbery. The Dutch government is channeling Mao, conducting, uh, doing Stalinist attacks. Less than two days ago, Dutch police fired bullets at a 16-year-old farm boy driving a tractor at a peaceful protest. Police tried to kill the boy and arrested him. And so today, farmers descended on the police station demanding his release after a spell. Government released, agreed to release the boy if the farmers left. Farmers left and the farm boy was released. Um, Here's the deal. I've been saying that medical freedom is the most important issue. But it's more than just the fact that you can't live without medical freedom and, you know, with them unleashing viruses on you, blocking treatment for it, and then foisting upon you dangerous products. That in itself is the top issue. But it's also emblematic of a broader thing. What the lockdowns and everything beyond that were designed to do was to acculturate you to a climate, a governing climate of emergencies that they could assert your normal existence, okay, whether it's your business, your farming, your breathing, your own breathing, is a threat to another human being unless you take the actions we we uh we demand of you. And I was yelping a lone voice for about a year at least. And I was like, I don't understand how the masking, even among conservatives, they weren't making a big deal out of it. If government could say your breathing is a problem and you're marginalized from a society and barred from everything, unless you cover your breathing holes, what could a government not do to you? And the answer is we're gonna find out. It's going to be a lot more than just viruses. So in the case of the Netherlands, they're saying, hey, your farming is a threat. They could induce a blood libel. There's no due process. Science doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. Due process doesn't matter. Human rights don't matter. Laws and constitutions don't matter. They could assert an emergency, assert you're a problem, and they could come bearing down on you. And I will tell you, this is why I am no longer this categorical back the blue. Because remember, at the end of the day, you need law enforcement to stop bad guys. But they're not doing it. 
Okay, so we're not benefiting from the good parts of having a law enforcement. So the only thing it could be used for at this point is against you and me. At the end of the day, just like my whole thing with judicial supremacism, I would I would call the left's bluff um, complaining about judicial power. Same thing here. Oh, the police are terrible. All right, buddies, we'll call your bluff. Okay, so let's defund the police. I don't care at this point. I'd rather live with my own faith in God and gun to protect me than have the government which is not protecting us from crime anyway, and they're literally organizing the invasion, much less repelling it at the border. So it's only going to be used against us, and this is something we really need to think about in the long term. We did not exactly see law enforcement in mass protesting against COVID fascism. And in fact, we saw many of them wrestling people to the ground uh, you know, in, in their attempt to enforce it. So this is something just to keep in mind. COVID fascism wasn't just about COVID or even just about viruses or even just about biomedical tyranny. It was about a new normal, a great recess, acculturating people to the fact that you don't have freedom anymore and you'll be okay with that because there's something scary going on and you know that you need us to protect you from that scary thing. That is what they groomed people into and we have not deracinated that premise from our culture, our body politic, and our law. So that is something we all need to realize we are being groomed into. Then there is this article from NBC I want to get to. So where are the Republicans? Are they going to tackle these issues? Nope. McConnell wants to win the suburbs by diffusing cultural hot buttons. Trump is in, and his own party have other ideas. When Mitch McConnell voted for the most significant gun violence prevention bill in nearly three decades, he offered a candid explanation for his turnaround. It's no secret that we've lost ground in the suburbs. We pretty much own rural, small-town America, and I think it's a sensible solution to the problem before us, which is school safety and mental health. And yes, I hope it will be viewed favorably by voters in the suburbs that we need to regain order to hopefully be a majority next year. And they go on to quote all these consultants and other GOP senators that basically say they're going to stay away from social issues. So at a time when the left is transhuman, grooming, drag queen stuff, and the public is so against it, they are for it. And they're like, why win when you can lose? And again, as I've always noted, this demonstrates it's not just because they're scared of the media or they're scared. Because even when the polls are squarely in favor of what we want to do, they're against it. They do not share our values. All they want to talk about is like in the abstract the economy, but then they won't even place the blame where it is. And they're the ones who caused it with the inflation. By the way, speaking of inflation, I want to share with you something that there is only upside and no downside to. Literally, Upside. Our new partner, it's an app. U-P-S-I-D-E, Upside. It, and it, it lists a bunch of places to buy gas, groceries, or restaurants in your area. What happens is with every purchase, so you download the app, 
you register, hey, I'm about to go to Shell Gas Station. And then you put it in, you connect your credit card, or you download your um, the, the receipt, or, up, or take a picture of it, upload it, and then you get cash back. Okay, much more than the 1% you typically get on your credit card. So sometimes, like, it could knock down, I'm seeing 50 to 70 cents on per gallon on, on gas. Uh, my wife and I both have it downloaded. We've been using it now. I've noticed they have a lot of marathon shells. I don't know what you have in your area. Not everyone's affiliated with them, but usually you could find them. To get started, again, download the free Upside app at whatever app store you use. Use my promo code, which is simply conservative, and get $5 off, um, $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10. So that's a one-time thing, free 5 bucks. And then from there on, you check in, um, pay with your credit card, and then you will earn three times back. You could see how either they, you know, you put in your bank account, PayPal, or e-gift uh, for Amazon cards, different ways of getting the rewards. It works. It's very easy to use. So again, download the free app, Upside, promo code conservative. At a time like this, every penny counts. So $5 back on your first purchase, and then... You know, you wind up saving fifty to seventy bucks off, uh, seventy cents off per gallon on gas, uh, depending on where you go, and similar dynamic with groceries. Okay, so just back to this McConnell business. I'm trying to tell you guys if you guys think, oh my gosh, there's no way the left is so insane. There's so much going on. They're so unpopular. There's no way the Republicans could be joining along with it. Again, kind of like this analogy, walking outside and seeing a tree with the trunk upside down. I can't be seeing that. Well, yes, you are seeing that. I know it's not logical, but don't project your own logic on a system that doesn't have logic. The Republican Party, even in their best hour, they are promising you. They're telling you uh, Ahead of time. It's not even like they're like running hardcore and then they betray us after November. They are telling you they don't care about any of the issues we care about. They'll speak abstractly about inflation in the economy, but they're going to continue spending the same amounts as the Democrats that caused the inflation and still joining in to the next big current thing. Ukraine. No problem. They're signing on to all of it. They're signing on to the NDAA, the defense bill that's doing this, spending all that money. They still support funding endless Pfizer, endless Ukraine, and it will be the next thing. Even I want to just be like, let them just win the midterms and bring some sort of relief. I would love to think that's true. It's not. They promise to take their, their foot off the gas pedal when it comes to social issues. And they're obsessed with the suburbs. And folks, you're seeing it with the battle in the school boards. It's the suburbs where these mothers are rebelling against it. And some of them probably bought into some of the garbage last number of years. But this is the issue. Loudoun County, Virginia, where you had that whole scandal, all these rapes of the gir- of, and sexual assaults against girls and boys in the girls' bathrooms, that was a huge issue. Loudoun County, Virginia is the epitome of the suburbs that Mitch McConnell's talking about that they lost over the last couple of years and they want to win back. And that's how you win them back. This is an unbelievable, unbelievable revelation. 
even with the polling the way it is, even with the insanity of the Democrat policies, everyone understands they're failing. You know, Clinton, Obama, they had a certain following. There's nobody who's going to tell you, wow, Biden's doing an amazing job. They're in huge doo-doo, deep water, and Republicans are here to save their agenda. This is the negative efficacy I'm talking about. If you didn't have the Republican Party, the people would naturally rebel. But here, the Republicans fill the vacuum for the alternative, right? Oh my gosh, Democrats are terrible. We need, we need an alternative. Boom. The Republicans monopolize and box out any legitimate opposition. So they, they actually perfectly continue the Democrats' policies, but under their banner. Until we break away from this, nothing will ever change. Do not doubt me. But it doesn't have to be this way. You know, I want to juxtapose two things. Even when Republicans do what we ask of them, typically, it doesn't make a difference because the players in culture know that they don't mean business, that they're just doing it to signal to their base to get them off their backs, but they don't mean it. Let me give you some examples. Some states have legitimately passed anti-discrimination laws against, you know, requiring vaccine mandates or like, you know, denying organ transplants to those who didn't get the, the magic juice. But you're seeing that they're violating it anyway because the executive branch is not enforcing it. We saw this in Arkansas. The idiots blocked the bill to block the businesses from requiring it, but they did succeed in passing a bill. At least anything that's under the auspices of the state of Arkansas cannot do it. Well, Arkansas's largest state-run medical school was requiring shots. I don't know what happened in the end, and I know some of the legislators that are friends of mine in the state uh, raised cane about it, but the reason why the institution did it because they knew the governor was quietly on their side. We're not run by the rule of law. We're run by the rule of political will. And they'll go to where they see it is. Laws don't matter. Even when I say we need to pass a law, my point is that you're creating, with it, you're creating the downstream political momentum for it. And it's the same thing in Texas. Remember when Greg Abbott was like, okay, 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 uh, here's an executive order. You can't require mandates. And officially, that was even private sector. Not only is that not being enforced, but the National Guard, there's five or 6,000, I'm forgetting the number, I think it's 5,000 Texas Guardsmen that are being suspended now, not getting paid for not getting the shots. He's, he's dead silent. Because they know, not only is he not going to enforce it, but quietly he actually supports it. So this is his gimmick. First it was, oh, I'll drive the illegal aliens to Washington. And now he's like, Okay, you want us to say the state guard could the national guard or state guard could could enforce immigration law? We're going to drive them to the bridges, but they're not deporting them. So it's going to be a catch and release there. This is the game. They all know and the illegals are going to know this and the smuggling operators know this. Believe me if DeSantis were governor of Texas, this thing would have been shut down. But they know it's a joke. So speaking of the Florida governor, I found this fascinating. So um, DeSantis signed a law called the Stop Woke Act that it prevents anyone from stifling political views on campus. It's a campus free speech bill. 
So this is Skylar Swisher. He's a reporter for the Orlando Sentinel. And he notes that there's a letter from, from University of Florida out of nowhere. UCF's English department, they originally had this anti-racism program. Okay, which was like a critical race theory thing, basically, you know, accusing everyone of being racist. Um, and they put out a statement. The following um, statement was enacted by the Department of English in 2021. As of July 1st, the statement is suspended as it violates Florida law. Okay? You know, and it, and it went on to just do the whole, like, white guilt thing. It is time when the deaths of black people at the hands of the police are beamed directly into our cell phones again and again. When Latinx children have been deliberately separated from parents and they have all this stuff, um, you know, of acknowledging basically white culpability and everything, um, acknowledges the complicity in perpetuating colonialist and racist practices and power structures. And they actually suspended the statement because of the Florida law. And it's like, you've never seen that before. And the reason is simple. They know that when he does something, it's not because, hey, I'm looking behind my back and I want to like get conservatives off my back or 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 please them. It's because he actually believes in it and he is going to fight for it and he's going to come after you if you violate it. Th- that's the difference it makes. It just, the Florida example is so frustrating because it demonstrates how easy we could change things around and how much it doesn't have to be this way. But it is this way. And then there's the shots. More and more, the truth is coming out. I'm just going to read you a number of messages that Pierre Corey, Dr. Corey, sent me from different healthcare providers he's been talking to. This one, I'm a paramedic in the greater Atlanta area. I wish they would use our EMS 9-11 data like Israel did. We are seeing the exact same scenario here with one difference. Cardiac-related calls are overwhelmingly young males, 18 to 30 years old. Typical early morning scene, we arrive at a suburban home only to find the entire family in severe emotional duress. This is what we hear, save my baby, please. Over and over, we find these young men still in their beds, deceased. Most appear to be sudden cardiac deaths. We are obligated to ask, was he recently vaccinated? To which the reply was always yes. I was an army medic, 68 whiskey, yet I've never seen such carnage as we're currently experiencing. The Israel study is the strongest signal in the data I've seen yet. For God's sake, stop the shots. Again, I mean, this is out in the open. It's not even like, we're, you know, you have to rely on my reporting or someone else's to to recognize this. The fact that young people are dropping dead suddenly is everywhere. It's just that they're denying that it's the shots and they're not really telling you what it is and they don't have a good explanation other than sudden adult death syndrome. But it's happening. It's from another person. I'm currently at a funeral, been chatting with the funeral director, director about the recent surge in deaths. They made me aware of the large number of kitty orders of coffins. And basically it talks about the fact that you've never seen bulk orders of coffins that are less than five feet. So these are young kids. Um, it's everywhere. 
Another message, EMTs are breaking silence as well out of sheer frustration talking about what they are seeing in age groups on their runs. Dead on arrival, young kids to upper 20s and early 30s. They're asking to have data aggregated along with the stories themselves. Journalists picking up stories and helping outreach. Can't recall his name, but I'll find later in my stash. Huge outreach on socials. Um, Let's see what else we have here. Journalist um, is Matthew Horwood, H-O-R-W-O-O-D, is seeking EMT input via DM on Twitter. Seems he's getting EMTs and embalmers with jugular um, fibrin clot picks. Nurses like me, he appears to be getting bombarded, cannot keep up. Um, I don't know where that's from. Oh, that's a guy based in Canada. That's from Canada. Um... After 11.30 at both, wait, where is this? I'm sorry, I'm reading here. Talking about these crazy things they're taking out of people's veins. Um, They're talking about how on ER floors, they're seeing, again, people coding all over the place um, with cardiac arrest everywhere. Again, young people with no history, no risk factors. Um... And again, it doesn't mean it's not happening in older people. It's just it's more jarring and it's more obvious here. And again, this is not just like, okay, within a week or a few days of the magic juice. We always knew that over time you're going to see the long-term effects. And there is no doubt in my mind that there's probably countless ticking time bombs. But but at the top of the list are going to be the microclotting, which is going to fester over time. And this more latent subclinical myocarditis, which is going to go kinetic at some point with people. This is everywhere. I mean, the excess deaths are everywhere. You are not going to be able to hide it. The question is what they're going to do about it. An unbelievable thing, Dr. Claire Craig, we had her on the show. She's a pathologist in in the UK. She put out in the UK, um, there's some UK data that... In, tw- in the spring of 2020, during the peak of that first COVID wave, so the cause of excess, so if you take excess deaths and divide them by the excess percentage of, of um, you, would, you would divide that pie by what percentage of those deaths were caused by what ailment. So 32% of those excess deaths were acute respiratory infection, which makes sense. That's what COVID did. That was the first wave. It hit people suddenly. You know, we didn't, you know, yet know how to treat it, although people like Dr. Zelenko and many others actually did. But it was 32%. Okay. Ischemic heart disease was 14, and heart failure was 7. Now you go to the spring 2022. Okay, right now. Two years later. And there's a lot of COVID going around, more, much more so than two years ago. But at least until now, and we'll see if this thing gets worse because of the viral immune escape, you know, it's it's broadly speaking like a like a flu or a cold. Acute respiratory infection composed just 10% of that excess death pile. Remember, it was 32% two years ago. So that shows you, you know, it's it's not really much COVID. Ischemic heart disease was 30 up from 14 
and heart failure 31 up from 7. You know exactly what that indicates. I mean, that is, that is an unbelievable data point. Another piece of data from the UK, as many 50 to 64-year-old men have died of non-COVID in the last two months as did at the beginning of the spring of 2020. Okay? What does that tell you? What does that tell you? That we literally have a vaccine bio-terror attack that's on par with the biggest pandemic we had in our lifetime, which in itself was purposely created out of 20 years of research, a very careful gain-of-function um, you know, furin cleavage on the spike protein site, which was designed to really screw people up. So the vaccine is now topping that. But no one cares. It's all good. It's still being forced on them. Imagine, here's Hemlock causing all this excess death. Oh, and if you don't get it, you're kicked out of the military. Not a peep from Republicans. Not a peep from them. And one, one other story I want to bring up before we bring on Chip. Marjorie Taylor Greene is talking about this. Page 827 of the NDAA. American taxpayers, and, and I mentioned this in the CQ article earlier this week, but it's in the bill. They're going to be forced to pay for our military, along with NATO, to be permanently stationed along Europe's eastern flank. This is the focus. They created a bogeyman. The problem is not our government, not the bioterrorism, not China. It's all Russia. This is what we're pumping our money into. And the Republicans are even more enthusiastic about these provisions and the NDAA that they're going to all vote for unanimously than even the Democrats are. Straight up in there. States and American taxpayers to pay for and send our, our soldiers to Europe. Nothing about our own border, by the way. And now we're going to defend, and, and, and it's a push-pull. So we poke Russia, and they say, look, look, Russia's a threat. So now we're going to bring Finland into NATO right on their border. Oh, we need to send troops to Finland. It gives a billion dollars to Ukraine. Zero dollars against our border invasion. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Sending our strategic oil preserves to other countries like China. But this is the NDAA. And yet Republicans will not fight for our own troops or our own border in a defense authorization bill. Truly, truly, truly unbelievable. But you know what? Let's continue this discussion with our guest. So Congressman Chip Roy is such a family friend of this show. You guys know him. You don't need an intro. You know he is one of those voices that is not just vote Republican in November and everything will be all right. So I figure we'll bring him into this discussion to see what is going on, but particularly in Texas, which is very important for a number of reasons. Congressman Roy, thanks for joining us today at Blaze Media at the end of the week. Daniel, great to be on with you, my friend. Uh, always a pleasure. And uh, look, there's so much to talk about, uh, so much uh, tyranny being uh, 
you know, exposed and, uh, uh, and, and things to talk about both in terms of the border and um, obviously the, the uh, vaccine mandates and everything else. So the thing is, I think while there's a lot going on, I want to focus on a Texas vantage point here because the reason why this is important, today I'm warning people that if you, we don't up our game and make our voices heard and demand very specific outcomes, the midterms will be meaningless. And Texas is a great example. Because you already have a trifecta there, okay? You have a trifecta, you have the attorney general's office, you have everything. And you look at what's going on, I am hearing that as many as 5,000 Texas guardsmen are going to be suspended without pay, maybe discharged for not getting the shots. What are you hearing in Texas? Because the last time I checked, it is the governor, not the president, who has jurisdiction over the Texas Guard, unless there's a Title X order, which for the most part, for certainly the overwhelming majority of them, they're not under Title X. So what's up with that? Well, Daniel, first of all, obviously your audience knows because of your great work on this, uh, even if they're not on Twitter, they now know. Um, Look, the the reality of what we're dealing with here is a, a mandate on our service members but not just the service members, you know, federal employees, obviously we dealt with the healthcare workers and everything else, uh, that is, it's not like other vaccine mandates. And that's what I, I get really frustrated about when all these people out there, you know, because this is not a vaccine. This is not thoroughly tested. This is not proven. This is not something that we believe is even working. Uh, uh, and in fact, is indeed harmful. All of these things are things to make determinations about, but you don't come out and say, oh, there's this emergency use thing, it's untested, oh, stick it in your arm, or you're fired. That's, the, that's what's really galling here, right? This is like everything else we're dealing with. As you, you, you frame this in terms of heading into the midterm elections. What really gets my freaking blood pressure up is how gutless, absolutely gutless, Republicans are in the face of absolute absurd policymaking and tyranny over the people. Here, needles being forced into the arms of service members for an unproven uh, jab, I won't, I won't call it a vaccine, uh, that could risk the health and well-being in their judgment uh, for no discernible benefit or purpose and for no actual readiness for our military purpose. And they're going to face getting fired, losing their pensions, losing their livelihoods, the careers they've fought for. And what are we doing? Not a damn thing about it. And remember, in February, we fought this fight about vaccine mandates. We, meaning we, meaning I and a handful of my Freedom Caucus colleagues, elevated this and a few in the Senate, Mike Lee and a few others. We forced a vote on this issue. And we had the numbers. But four senators walked. Four senators walked. Literally walked. They were there that morning and walked out. And Mitch McConnell knew it, didn't do anything about it. And we ended up without stopping the vaccine mandates, which we could have stopped in the spring and didn't. Now, are we going to pick that fight in September? No. Do I think states ought to be doing more to fight this? Yes. Do I think that Republicans ought to be making this a major issue? Yes. And that is a part of trying to box people in, in heading into November, just on this issue, on the, on the, on the uh, uh, COVID shots, but uh, also on border, also on spending, also on, you know, drafting our daughters and a host of other issues. So so let's go on to that. The, the NDAA, we have the defense authorization bill. So you actually have a leverage point that's viewed as a must, must pass bill. 
and it's it's passed through the House and Senate committees. It gives a ton of money to Ukraine without any questions. Like even the New York Times is saying, hey, wait a minute, where are these weapons going? What are we doing? What's the objective? Um, nothing for our own border. Um, the Ukrainians don't need to be jabbed, but our soldiers do. Now, there was a vote in committee. It failed, but then the Republicans are going to vote for it anyway. And then, in addition, there's this issue of, of, of the female draft. So what are you fighting on in the NDAA, um, and how do you think you could raise awareness? And, and, and specifically, here's what I want from you, because a lot of your friends in Congress, I would imagine, fit this description. They're kind of conservative they they're they're leery of these things that we're talking about but they're bought into this thing of i always have to vote for the ndaa and oh there's a troop pay raise but to me what's the point of a pay raise if you're throwing if you're committing our troops to other countries borders not our own you have grooming and trannyism in the military you have anti-Christian dogma in the military, and now their careers are being destroyed from the shot, and they have no problem with it. I don't care about the money and the, and the troop pay raise. Daniel, you're exactly right. And for your listeners to, to understand, this is exactly the thing that it drives the Republican Party to complete paralysis. And it's not just about our defense. OK, I want to be very clear. It is uh, pervasive over every policy choice we make. I just gave you the example that we tried to have a fight over the vaccine mandate in the spending debate in uh, February, March. But what was the response? Well, well, we can't not fund the government because we've got this Ukraine situation building up, right? We can't not do that, Chip. We're going to leave them without what we need. We can't. We got to have resources in Ukraine. We got to make sure our defense is funded. So it's saying, well, what won't you fund? Because defense, right? But defense, but defense, but Ukraine. What won't you fund? Same thing, right, in the $40 billion vote on Ukraine. Now, we managed to mount a decent number of no votes against it, but that's so what? That's just a footnote in history. We passed it. And we passed it because Republicans said, well, but we have to do this we, because Russia bad. We must go appropriate $40 billion. Doesn't matter if we have any briefing on it. Doesn't matter if we have any facts about what that money is going to be used for. It doesn't matter if we have any evidence that that's in our national security interest, that they've come and made a compelling case, or that Congress hasn't voted to go to war. And yet all of our leaders keep using the term, we're at war. Now fast forward to the NDAA. Every year we have to do the National Defense Authorization Act. Well, look, I was just down at a base I represent, Fort Sam Houston, two days ago. God bless them. They're out there on the front lines every day. And look, a lot of them have been vaccinated and aren't worried about it. But there are a chunk of them who have uh, not chosen to go get the shot. And now they've got to figure out what to do. You've got uh, a military that is kind of, I, I'm asking them about recruiting. Well, recruiting in the Army is way down, way low. Well, why would that be? Could it be for all the reasons you just articulated, Daniel? <laughs> That we, you know, we're we're going to have, uh, you know, woke training and trans this and, you know, oh, we got to teach you that all, you know, uh, you know, white Southerners are evil and 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 terrorists or whatever it is they're doing and train. Well, how are you going to go recruit an 18 year old male who was going to sit around to get woke trained, right? They want to jump out of helicopters and blow crap up. That's what they want to do. 
And, 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 and that's the reality of what we face. And that's what the American people are sick and tired of seeing Republican leaders sit back and just let that all happen. And we won't do anything about it. Why won't we force that fight in the NDAA and say we will not vote for an NDAA, period, if it has this woke training garbage? Why don't we say we will not vote for an NDAA if it doesn't uh, uh, strip out any of this language about drafting our daughters? Now, the Senate just passed drafting our daughters with Republican support. I mean, literally. Wait, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean Republican support? The NDAA was passed out of the Senate Armed Services Committee in the United States Senate, and it, and it got passed out with seven, I think, I'm pulling that from memory, seven Republican senators that voted for it. Now, that was one less than last year. We peeled one of them off. But you have senators like Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, senators like Tommy Tuberville from Alabama. What in the Other senators, yeah, other senators from bright red states voting for drafting our daughters. So and the argument you, is, uh, yeah, go ahead. that's what I was going to ask you. This has been going on the last couple of years and you've been taking the lead on <clears throat> raising awareness. Where is it coming from? It's so random. It is coming from two things. The desire by the left and frankly, uh, squishy, uh, cowardly Republicans to, uh, you know, be woke. And say, oh, look, look at us. We're going to have this, uh, you know, uh, we're going to have all equal treatment for men and women in the military. But it's also coming from a false notion that there's uh, the modern military means that we can draft women and trust, trust the, you know, the, the, the Millies and the Austins who just got us out of Afghanistan with $85 billion left behind and, uh, you know, uh, are, are promoting all this woke agenda and teaching about trannies and teaching about, you know, uh, you know, the evils of, of America, that we can trust them. We can trust them to not put our daughters in the front lines. Uh, our daughters will sit in a box somewhere, you know, operating drones. You know, that's bull. Because my colleagues will say at the same time, well, we don't need a draft. So don't worry, your daughter's not going to get drafted. Then they'll say, oh, well, if we do need a draft, it's only because we're in a land war with China and we need everybody. Well, well which is it? And oh, by the way, if we're in a land war with China. Are you worried about the drones or is my daughter going to be on the front lines in a foxhole, yeah. foxhole against the Chinese? Or I don't know, against the Iranians who now have, you know, nuclear weapons and we're now having to go deal and, uh, and, and, and have our daughters in the Middle East trying to figure out how to unwind that. that. That is completely unacceptable. The good news is we are winning in the House right now of holding it out to kill it because of the fight we, we, we mustered last year. And I want to be clear to your listeners. They told me we couldn't stop it last year. We couldn't get an official Freedom Caucus position on it. We couldn't get everybody to stand up on it. But the few of us that stood up, and your listeners did, and you did, and you know our friend Steve Dace did, and others did, and we were able to elevate the temperature and stop it. And this year, I believe we'll stop it in the House again, but we got to keep being vigilant on it. But it all comes back to your main point. Republicans being unwilling to fight the Democrats on the same uh, playing field that they're fighting yes. on, which is trying to completely undermine our republic. They don't believe in sovereignty. They don't believe in borders. They don't believe in American exceptionalism or greatness. They want to undermine it. They don't believe that there's man and woman. They don't believe that we should, uh, you know, have a, 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 a strong military sparingly used. They're fine going out and waving the Ukraine flag and putting our men and women in harm's way, then drafting our daughters to do it because they don't actually believe that we should have a sovereign nation. 
They believe in a world order, a liberal world order, and they admit it. And they be- and they don't believe in another form of sovereignty, and that's human sovereignty. It was this whole kind of transhumanism <clears throat> with you know all the stuff that Albert Albert Borla of Pfizer and then the WEF guys are saying, and it clicked in my mind with the medical tyranny and everything. Everything seems to be about depopulation. It seems insane. Like none of us think that way and believe that. So we want to project our goodness on other people because there's no way that could be true. But then you listen and it's pervasive everywhere. And then it hit me with the whole tranny stuff and the gender bending. You know, I thought that was social rocket, licentious values, and it is. But I wonder if it's coming also from this depopulation agenda that when you deracinate any sense of familiar ties of male and female, Adam and Eve, God made man, God made woman, so you get it at the foundation. I mean, you know, one of the points I've made is that if you look at the generational polling, you know, they have these Pew and Gallup, they have different polling. You know, the uh, our parents and grandparents' generation, no one uh, subscribe to any of this uh, alphabet soup stuff, and then you go down, and it's like five, six percent among Generation Z. You look at that; you're that in itself. You're taking out a population because they're not going to reproduce with everything you wind up doing to them. And to me, the foundation of saying not only are we going to have women in combat, you know, which is a big thing to begin with, but that we're going to create a mandatory draft. I don't understand what has happened with conservatives because I understand like the left always comes with a illogical, immoral, inhumane premise, and we can only fight like the five percent edge of it. You're never allowed to like get at the meat and potatoes of it. But is it that hard to get up and say that is the most immoral thing that goes against God's design? You know, you want to debate if a woman wants to elect to do this. I have my own strong opinions on how how far we should go on integration in the military. But the notion that at least a woman should be born pursuant to natural law with the right to not have to be in a military, I thought that was a bedrock value, but I guess not. Well, you would think so, and you're, you're talking about a lot of stuff that matters in terms of our core values, Daniel, and, and that they're completely under assault. And, and I want to go back, and, and I want to answer that question, but I want to take that step back because it, you, you, more than anybody that I know, get to the heart of the actual war that is going on right now for the not just the soul of America, right? That, that's almost too nationalistic to what I mean. There is a, there is a, a, a war for, for our souls as free people yes. as, as human beings. There, there's a war going on, and it, look, there's a spiritual war, there's a lot of biblical things going on here, but at the end of the day, if you take a step back and you think about what's actually happening every single day, the war on biology, the war that they're against man, woman, procreation, family, there is a war on that. It is indisputable. There is a war on sovereignty, sovereignty as a nation, that borders matter, that yes, we can choose how many people to let in and not, but that you have to enforce the rule of law, secure the border in order to have a sovereign nation and a strong nation. There's a war on that, right? There is a war on, call it fiscal sanity or common sense. The same thing you do to operate your budget, your family, your business. We're just printing money, which is diluting our dollar, uh, undermining our fiscal strength. But in more than that, it's empowering tyrants. It's empowering bureaucrats. Because you print money to fund the bureaucrats that come after us to do all these terrible things. 
there's a war on security. There's a war on, uh, you know, the law-abiding citizen by empowering the, the lawless, right? Every single day, criminals on the streets, criminals being let out changing the rules to benefit criminals, changing the rules to target the law-abiding, come after our guns, our ability to defend ourselves. There's a war against the security, and it's all tied together. Sovereignty, security, the nuclear family, a strong economy, the bedrock principles of what made America great, the ability to go out and conquer and go out and prosper according to your hard work and the civil society working together and coming up and building up a family and going out and achieving the American dream, there is a war on all of that every single day. And Republicans sit back and pretend that that's not happening. And then we, they wonder why, oh, well, the country's uh, you know, struggling on this or that. But they don't care because at the end of the day, they view it through the lens of, give me the chairmanship and I'll solve the problems. Yep. Get me my, you know, back in office and we'll take care of business. This is about, well, we can't do it, Chip, if we don't have the majority. We can't do it, Chip, if we don't have 60 in the Senate. We can't do it, Chip, if we don't have a president in the White House. Well, you know what? They told me that I couldn't stop, stop the draft of daughters, and we did. They told me that we couldn't stand up and, and uh, you know, force uh, difficult votes on all of these crappy bills on the floor of the House and slow things down, and we have. I get told that we can't do things all the time. But you know what? It was a tireless minority that created this country, and it's a tireless minority that's going to save freedom for our kids and grandkids, and that's what we're doing. No, that's what it is. I, I like the way you said that. It's it's turning up the heat. That's what they always say. Oh, it can't be done. It can't be done. And and what we're seeing out of Florida is that when you actually when they know you're serious, because like with DeSantis, they know unlike some other governors. Um, it's not just a gimmick to get conservatives off his back, but like he really believes it. So I, I'm actually just coming across now. There was this woman <clears throat> who was a member of one of the boards of one of the states. Uh, it's a public agency, public uh, health insurance for for children, Florida Healthy Kids Corporation. Lisa Gwynn. She's a so she happens to also be the president of the Florida chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. She was canned from the state agency for pushing the shots on on babies. So it, it's the exact opposite dynamic of the other states. And we saw Publix, a private company, is like, oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, well, you know, I don't think it's a good idea. So they're actually following that because they know he's going to follow through with it. It tells me that it doesn't have to be this way. You make the case. It's a popular issue. Um, you know, we talked about earlier today, Mitch McConnell's like he wants to dial back the social issues when the polling shows we're crushing it on on that stuff more than ever. You know, people are tired of the grooming and all this stuff. I don't, you know, I don't get it, but I want to take it to one, one, one greater level. Even the issues they indulge, right? None of that they indulge. Everything you mentioned, the war on humanity, civilization, you don't hear that from Republicans. You hear it from... DeSantis, Carrie Lake, you know, and then a handful of people like you, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Thomas Massey, and a couple of others, you know, on the fringe in, in, in the House and almost none in the Senate and, and, and governors. You don't hear it. It's like it's the 1970s. It's like the 1990s. We'll debate some isolated issues, some taxes, some abortion, some guns. They, they don't put that together. But what everyone universally is talking about, oh, my gosh, look at that Biden inflation. Look at that Biden inflation. Could you tell me, Chip, has there been any discussion 
among the House leaders, and they're almost assuredly going to take back the House. What are you going to do about the spending that they voted for that caused this, that not only don't they cut it back, but every new current thing on top of everything, they embrace, and then sometimes, like in the case of Ukraine, more enthusiastically than Biden, what exactly is their plan to to do anything about inflation? I hear all these Republican commercials, and he's going to fight inflation and lower gas prices. How? Well, Daniel, again, you're, I think you, you're putting your finger on the pulse of the actual problem. Let's go back to the McConnell point you just made a second ago. Let me actually start by giving McConnell some credit, okay? I know that's going to sound weird, but bear with me. Credit that he has, over his career, tried to find ways to fight to, you know, push the judiciary in better directions. Now, you and I could quibble over some of the decisions and whatnot, but, okay, let me give some credit of trying to do that. But here's, here's where that then, and, and having some success, right? But let's now go, where does that go? The legalistic, stay away from the cultural fight, big appropriator mentality that Mitch McConnell represents. And frankly, he represents a lot of the body. That is the fundamental core problem with the Republican Party today is that it is overly legalistic, overly deferential to the court and saying, let them decide and forsaking their duty to defend the Constitution while spending money we don't have to fund the bureaucrats that undermine our freedom, not standing up in defense of that freedom, finding every excuse to avoid it, like McConnell did when we didn't stop the vaccine or so-called vaccine mandates, and then all using the entire defense industrial complex as your excuse for doing that, and thereby avoiding ever doing the things that the American people want to see, and now seeing that in very clean, plain English, let's move away from the cultural fight. Never mind that Youngkin is kicking ass on the, well, let me rephrase that kicked ass in the campaign to get into Virginia by focusing on a cultural issue or cultural issues. Never mind that Ron DeSantis is kicking ass all over Florida, taking on Disney, taking on every issue under the sun, eventually finally kind of pushing hard on the, on the, va- on the back stuff. <laughs> Took a little longer than I'd have preferred. All of those things are things where we're winning because They're leaning into the fights the American people want us to go fight for them. McConnell's the opposite of that. The leadership in the House is the opposite of that. And you ask, what are they going to do on inflation? Not a goddamn thing. (laughs) Because they are entire, their DNA is to spend money we don't have in the name of defense, in the name of whatever program that, oh, Chip, you can't vote against that. Chip, you can't vote against ALS research. That's $500 million for people who deserve it. You know what? They do deserve it. They deserve it probably more than just about any of the crap we fund. But you know what? I couldn't vote for it because it wasn't paid for. Right? And it's also going to the cartel, too. It is. Well, that's the other thing. I meant the people that are sick with ALS. They're the ones that are of the more, you know, uh, sympathetic class to get some government support because they they die so quickly. And, And yet 
you can't you can't go give five hundred million dollars to NIH and the corrupt public health care cartel, and that's what Republicans did, just in mass yep. every day, Daniel, every single day, right? It is a cultural rot, and I will tell you this: if we don't stop spending money, we don't have to fund the bureaucrats that are killing us. The republic is over. There is no debate about it. That is the truth. And the cowards in Washington refuse to do anything about it from top to bottom. Yep, indeed. I, that's not a very uh, convincing display of what the Republicans are going to do in November. But we know they haven't changed. They're, not, they're telling us so. And, and I want to take this to the final issue I you know, wanted to get to, obviously, because you've been knee-deep in it in Texas which is the border, for the first time ever in my career, I've noticed where I'm finally in rhetoric, not out of sync with the Republicans. Like, they're actually talking about illegal migration. But my concern is they're talking about it in the same way that they're talking about gas prices and inflation, in the sense that it's so absurd what the Democrats are doing that it's a great talking point when you're in an election and you think you're going to take over the majority— but in terms of what they're going to do and what they're going to fight for, that's that's the issue. So both at a federal level, you're obviously more federal, but you are in Texas, and this is a state issue as well. There's been a lot of news, a bunch of counties willing to say designated as an invasion. The governor issued an order saying he's going to return them to the border points of entry. What do you think is going on? What's real? What's not? Have we reached a turning point or not? So <clears throat> let me be slightly positive uh i, I don't want to sit here in a in, in, in a cesspool of negativity uh <laughs> in that i i do fundamentally believe that uh more americans and in particular more texans are coming to full grips with the reality of what a wide open border means to our national security and the well-being of the american people and that this false tie over the last two three four decades that has been driven by the Chamber of Commerce seeking cheap labor, that that is obfuscated and blended together immigration, a separate issue from border security and managing who comes and goes. Those are actually two separate issues. Yeah. Yes, you're dealing with migration, and that's the point. But the point is, you got to secure the border to ensure the safety of your people. That's, that's a, those are actually separate points. So when we say it's an invasion, the Jonathan Turleys of the world and the legal eggheads in the swamp go, well, that's not really what the founders meant. They meant, you know, uh, uh, armed, you know, uh, opposition of, uh, uh, you know, uh, army from another sovereign. And, you know, no, first of all, the text of invasion uh, is pretty clear of what it means, right? You're having an unwanted uh, entry into your side. Yep. That's not the Webster definition, but right, that, that's the definition. You got people coming in and they're harming you. Well, here we have fentanyl pouring into our communities and Americans dying. We have known terrorists or, or people affiliated with terrorist countries or entities that are being uh, apprehended at the border. We have 800 and something thousand known gotaways. So we don't know who they are, but we know they're the worst actors. We have uh, cartels getting empowered on the border and they're heavily armed. And we have uh, a direct impact on our national security by virtue of that terrorism issue, the cartels, and the fentanyl pouring in and killing our kids. Now I can go down other roads, but that's enough. I don't need to go any further. 
That's the invasion. And I think people are recognizing it. These county leaders that I met with and had a press conference with on Wednesday, they get it. We had great conversations. Uh, they're leading. I hope other counties will follow. I think we are pressuring uh, the state leadership in Texas to go down that road. And look, I'm trying to walk a line there, and I'll just I'll say it here for you and our uh, your audience that I do believe that Governor Abbott, Attorney General Paxton, our state leaders are are leaning into finding ways to have Texas lead the fight to do something that is supposed to be a federal responsibility. However, when the, 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 the federal government fails, and it is not just failing, but purposely yep. uh, avoiding the responsibility to the detriment of our people in Texas, then it is up to the state under the Constitution to act. I believe that. I believe that's what the Constitution says. I think it's black letter. I think the uh, one opinion on point defers to the state on that matter. Uh, my friend and your friend, Ken Cuccinelli, has made that case very well uh, as a legal matter. And I believe that. And more importantly, you know, to hell with it. If someone is running into your house yes. and endangering your family, you don't go look at the frigging penal code and go, well, what am I allowed to do? You go stop the damned invasion and then you can go have some fight about it. But all I know is Texans are getting harmed. Texans are dying. Our economy is getting hit. Our tax uh, dollars are getting uh, 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 you know, spent and abused. Uh, cartels are empowered. And all of this from an armed foreign entity purposely exploiting our borders to the detriment of the people of Texas. That is an invasion. We should acknowledge it as such. We should act as such. We should impeach Mayorkas for the bullcrap they're going to announce in a couple of hours about these alleged whipping. We should impeach Mayorkas for failing to uphold his oath to the Constitution to defend the border. We should impeach him for lying to me under oath and telling me that they have operational control of the border. We should have our very first bill in Congress be a bill to establish full operational control of the border and not allow any funding for anything with DHS unless they do one, two, three, four, five. Make the physical infrastructure be there, change the policies, mandatory turn away at the border if you don't have people fully detained. You should have absolute targeting of cartels and interior enforcement and removal. And if you don't have those prongs or provisions, then we should not be funding DHS. There's no point. You're funding a processing facility to yep. team up with the United Nations and NGOs to release people in the United States. And that's one last point to know. I was at a facility in Eagle Pass, Daniel, on Wednesday, a facility that is not operational yet. It has only been tested. I think I was the first congressman, but certainly one of the first, to get a full view of it. It is a brand-new, shining facility. It's almost four acres to process probably 1,300, 1,500 people every day to be released into the United States under parole or under notice to appear without any claims of asylum. That's all garbage. They don't even do that anymore. People show up with their papers. They admit what they're doing. They get put into this facility. They get sent to the NGOs. They get distributed into the yep. United States. More people keep coming. Cartels keep getting empowered. And hundreds of thousands of people come up between the ports of entry endangering Americans. That is what's happening. We should continue to fight it. And that's straight-up violation of 8 U.S.C. 1226 that says that they must be removed, put into removal proceedings immediately. And 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 this is the point. I love that you brought that up. I, I did this on our uh, July 4th show where I said the Declaration of Independence is more important than the Constitution. And the respect, the Constitution is a technical document. It's it's needed. It's supposed to be in, in the principles of the Declaration. Um, but over time, it's been abused. 
And I'm not going to allow them to violate every foundational letter and spirit of it. And then whenever we want to fight back against their uh, breach in that contract, somehow they use you know one one thing against us when it's in violation of the declaration, which is governance by the consent of the governed. You cannot have people unilaterally assert jurisdiction. Um, otherwise, there, there is no social compact. I mean, that's that's so foundational. I, I do share your optimism in the, in, the, in this sense that you're talking about turning up the up, up the temperature. okay? And I think that's that's what we're trying to say here that we call I, I called this very early on when Biden took over. I said it's an invasion and states need to treat it as such. At the time, I was like, oh, man, you can't do that. You can't do that. But you have to lay down that marker because, as you said, with the governor, it's going to always take time to pressure him into that position. So the earlier you take that position and make the case for it, the better chance you have of getting a better result. And I think you know that's probably what you're seeing with immigration. Hopefully that is a turning point. One final well, thing. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, no, the only thing I want to say, you brought up the declaration. And we always focus in on the on the very obvious and most important uh, parts of those, right? Um, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And then at the end, right, um, you know, our lives, our fortune, our sacred honor, right? We focus in on those key passages because they're so important. But remember what the document actually was, right? It was a document to the world and to the king that we're done. That's what it was. Long train of usurpations. Well, so that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. The, the phrasing that is that is often missed is the, but when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object defenses a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. That is what the whole damn thing was about. Yep. Now, I believe that we're coming up here, importantly, on, in 2026, on our 250th birthday as a country, right? July 2nd, 2026. That's four years from right now. Uh, I believe we should be focusing on that as a people. Not 2022 midterm elections, not 2024 presidential elections. Yeah, we'll focus on those. Of course we will. But who are we going to be? What are we going to do for our kids and grandkids? Are we going to choose freedom? Or are we going to choose fracture? Because that's where we are. Freedom or fracture. And that's that as a nation. Because we're going to choose freedom. I'm going to choose freedom. The question is whether this country that was formed under that declaration 250 years ago, come 2026, are we going to choose freedom? And everything that goes with that. I know freedom's not a casual counter, all the stuff that goes with that. But freedom is at the core of who we are as a people. And we're either going to choose freedom as a nation or we're going to fracture as a nation. That's it. And we got to decide. And that's what this, this time is about. And we're living in important times. We should be optimistic on that. You know, that we look back at the founders. Oh, my gosh, these guys are awesome. This is great. Do you, want, do you know what kind of worries they had in 1773, 1775? Fighting the greatest you know, naval like, power. Right. You got the shots fired in Lexington in April of 75. Now you got to fast forward and you get all the way through and they, they get and they meet in constitutional convention, they're meeting in Philadelphia and they're having to travel and horseback and there's 
you know, skirmishes and now you get you fast forward to 76 and you sign your death warrant, right? John Hancock writes it as big as you can see. Thomas Jefferson writes it. They all do it, right? Those were big times. And it, these, these are the times we're in right now. We're going to have choices to make, right? Reagan's time for choosing speech. I know that was, gosh, 60 years ago here in a couple of years. But the ebb and flow of history, it's where we are, Daniel. And you're one of the voices. You're one of those sons of liberty. You're the, the, the Sam Adams of the day. You're the, the people out there that are you know, making that clarion call. I don't know where I fit into the mix, but I know this. We have choices to make. And we're going to choose freedom as a nation or we're going to fracture. And that's where we are. And that's exactly the point. Unlike then, we actually don't have to pledge our lives. The reality is, you know, you, you have all your colleagues in Congress are, we're going to be mowed down. You know, they always use these military analogies. And no, you're not. Like, stop it. Stop with those analogies. It's not that hard. The Florida governor is showing it. And again, the beauty is the reason why they said long train of usurpations, because obviously you want stability. So there's a certain risk benefit analysis that, you know, when one, when the current, current gov- government breaches the contract, depending on the breach is how you're going to react because you don't want to have anarchy. But the beauty is we already have a stable structure of states. That That's all it's going to take. You don't have to fight King George's army. I mean, you just say freaking no. And, you know, you have 20, 25 governors doing that. It will make a world of a difference. It's really within our hands, within our grasp. And we actually, you know, to, to, to speak to your point, they actually faced much greater odds. They were signing their death warrant. I mean, Maybe if we allow DHS to set up these, uh, you know, terrorist monitoring uh, agencies on us, we'll be in a different place in a few years from now. But we have to make sure we're not. And as of now, we still have that ability to fight back without a physical fight. Um, you just got to do what's right with the political power um, states with a majority of people who think like uh, supposedly wield. So we're gonna we're we're counting on you to get that ball rolling both at a federal level and then being that voice in Texas because Texas is always going to lead on this, has to lead on this if, if we're going to get anywhere. But we are way out of time. Chip, thanks so much for joining us as always, folks. Till next week, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.